Would you say grace, please? Oh my god. Um, uh. Oh my god! We, uh, thank you for the food that mom has put in front of us and stop! The, uh, the devil! From doing bad things and, uh, get out of here! Uh, Satan? Go! Go, you soul! That we may live in peace. Amen. Amen. That was, hmm, really unusual, Hogarth. I forgot to wash my hands. Look what you made me view. Look what you made me view. Look what you just made me view. Look what you just made me view. Look what you made me view. Look what you made me view. Look what you just made me view. Look what you just made me view. Hello, everyone. Welcome Yo. back to Look What You Made Me View. This is the podcast where we, as a couple, show each other movies that greatly influenced our lives in some kind of capacity. I am Kaylee. Yo, my name's Ryan. And this week, we watched The Iron Giant. The I, Ryan Giant. I am not a gun. That's my quote from the movie. Yeah, it's gotta be. Uh, yeah, doesn't it? I knew it, though? it as soon as I heard it. Uh huh. Um, there's a lot yeah. of good stuff in here. Uh, but God, if that doesn't sum up the whole entire movie, pretty much. Um, this 1999 classic is something that I'm so excited to bring to the table. I'm gonna jump right in. Uh, the description for this movie is as follows. In this animated adaptation of Ted Hughes's Cold War fable, a giant alien what? robot. <laughs> Crash lands near the small town of Rockwell, Maine in 1957. Exploring the area, a local boy, Hogarth, discovers the robot and soon forms an unlikely friendship with him. When a paranoid government agent, Kent Mansley, becomes determined to destroy the robot, Hogarth and beatnik Dean McCopin uh, must do what they can to save the misunderstood machine. Ryan... Having just heard that very elaborate uh, summary, how would you summarize this film? Metal Gear can talk. <laughs> I love it. Um, this was very much uh, in the same vein of a lot of things I grew up watching because my generation is the tail end of the Cold War. Yeah. So our... Elders, uh, not immediate like, you know, seniors or anything, but uh, parents and older siblings were all exposed to this like hyper paranoia of Russian attacks and nuclear war. Right. Um, right. It was also, they're also born on the tail end of what happened um, in both world wars and... Um, so, the, yeah, their parents used nuclear weapons. Yeah. So this is the um, the common thread of most films and TV shows I was exposed to growing up. That totally makes sense. And that's why I, I kind of got the impression that this was going to be something that you were into. Because we talk a lot about Metal Gear on and off the podcast. There are some very common themes here. Demilitariz de demilitarization. They just demilitarized your mouth. They did. <laughs> they disarmed You had me. no words for weapons there. <laughs> did at all. Um, audience, I'll let you in on a secret. I have a cold right now. 
Um, and I'm keeping my germs to myself. But uh, if I sound a little different, I apologize. I got my tea. I got my um, my vapor rub. I'm trying to get better for y'all. Uh, and myself, god damn it. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to start with the question that I, I'm just dying to ask you. Mm-hmm. Do you know who voiced the Iron Giant? Um, I think I've heard that it is... Um Oh, God damn it. Vin Diesel? Yeah. 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 Which blows my mind because this is, what year is this again? 1999. 99. Mm-hmm. Um, totally off my radar. Looks like a cheesy Disney film. And it is. It's not. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I did that. have a lot of fun trying to pick the voices out. So I will just say I don't know if Metal Gear Can Talk is a good enough summary for our format. Uh-huh. I felt like it was good. But do now I need to elaborate? You're doubling back. Do I need to elaborate? I mean, you certainly can if you feel like you should. I don't think so. Okay, then yeah, we can leave it as Snip. at that. That's fine. Snip. I feel like enough of your friends are really into Metal Gear so they would understand like Snip. Okay. <laughs> All right. The animation is is not my is not something that would draw me so it looked too kitty too cheesy and okay. it is it is I, I mean i was bored with this frankly but um i hear you hold on what was, your question was my question was do you know who voiced the iron giant to which you oh, right. said vin diesel so which is correct i had a whole lot of fun with this okay <laughs> trying to figure out who was who and it was pretty easy early on so let's just let's go there Okay, okay. The mom, Jennifer Aniston. Of course. Okay. The one and only. Um, did not look anything like her. No, and the, I, I love that. The FBI guy looks like Kevin Bacon, is uh, not Kevin Bacon. No, no, Who is he? Because that's the one I couldn't pin down. Um, okay, it's Christopher McDonald. Oh, Christopher McDonald. Um, yeah, I'm trying from, to think of some things that you would know him in. Yeah, he's not I, really a voice actor. Um, he's in Happy Gilmer. He, Gilmer. Gilmer. I call it Gilmer. I'm sorry. Um, he's in Flubber. He's in American Pie. Um, yeah. Uh, f- I think I know who this guy is. Yeah. Uh, if anyway. I showed you a picture of him, you'd be like, ah, oh, yes, Christopher McDonald. Got so it. that guy's Christopher McDonald. Um, Any other voices you could pick well out? Not as well known. Uh, the main guy, Dean, is his name, right? Mm-hmm. That's got to be Harry Connick Jr. It is. Yes. So I'm shocked. Because you got I could that. pick out Jennifer Aniston and Harry Connick Jr. immediately, I mm. started to have fun with trying to pick out the other voices. Mm. Couldn't figure out a motherfucking one of them. I no, have no idea. No. Um. The the rest of them are namely voice actor. Well, the grand majority of them are voice actors. Some of um, it's recognizable, though. I, I th- well, ah, shit, man. There was one other one I think I picked out, but yeah, give me some other names. Who, who else is here? Okay, yeah, sure. The general is um, John Mahoney, um, and I don't think that you would know him from this movie. But I, only thing I know about him is I can go to him and save some time. <laughs> okay, I have no idea what Shaq you're referencing. I have no idea. The general. Oh, oh my god, that took me too long. Shout out to Shaq. I love you so much. Um, Okay, so John Mahoney also voices the general in Atlantis, which is a Disney animated movie. Hmm. Um, It's the exact same character. He's literally the general. He is the guy that started the company, I guess. And they look very similar, those two characters. The animation style is a lot like what um, Disney fans would see in Atlantis. Yeah, okay. 
I want to talk a little bit about the animation style. It yeah. is a cross between hand-drawn animation and computer animation. This is the first time the titular character in an animated film is completely computer generated. Oh, Iron Giant is completely computer. Yes, oh, and they had to create that's why he moves like that. Yeah, okay. they had to create a specific program um that that would distort him a little bit so he would blend better with yeah. the hand-drawn stuff. Makes sense. Um that this uh, has some shades of Futurama in it oh, because for that yeah. reason. Yeah. And I loved that. Like some of those moments where it was clear that he was computer animated and he's, you know, over these beautiful drawn backgrounds and things. Mm -hmm. uh, God damn. That was cool looking. The whole entire movie is a giant homage to animation. Oh, um, I can tell. Yeah. There, I mean, the snow scene. Yes. Woo, oh, boy. definitely. There are little hints and stuff throughout the film as well. Brad Bird directed it. Um, he's also done like The Incredibles, Ratatouille, and a bunch okay. of other. Um, he was a director for a couple of episodes of The Simpsons, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, he's, he's been doing animation for forever, but this is the first film that he actually directs. And he... Huh. Uh, Loves animation so much. He threw in these cool little nods. The two little boops. Little boops. He puts in some little boops. The little train, uh, the train conductors. They're named after uh, famous animators. There are little things like that, Neat. like throughout the movie. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I I have a huge soft spot for animated features, and um, yeah, like I said, this is just like a, a an homage to everything that's great about it. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. Um. I'm going to throw one more cool fact out to you. Sure. Because I heard you uh, perk up when I said it's an adaptation of a Ted Hughes fable. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, so it's an adaptation of a book um, called The Iron Man. And when it got published in America, they changed it to The Iron Giant so no one would confuse it with Iron Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why didn't it, they get Ozzy to voice this guy? <laughs> I can't even imagine. Fuck. I can't even imagine like Ozzy's voice. In, he doesn't say anything thing. that clearly to begin with. I mean, Ozzy's no. perfect. No, I mean that's he already why sounds Vin like Diesel a robot trying to talk. <laughs> Have you seen any of the Fast and the Furious? Vin Diesel's voice is just like flat. But they, I mean, they still mechanize the voice and everything, so yeah. you could get somebody. It doesn't matter. Totally. Um, yeah, man. Uh, oh, uh, I was just going to throw out there have been a lot of adaptations of this throughout the years. One of them being a musical written by Pete Townsend, if you don't know. That's weird. From The Who, everybody. Yeah, that's weird. Pretty cool. It sounds uh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, okay, now we can get into the movie now that I'm done like fangirling over it. Let's let's talk about it. Sure. Uh, move Move along. You brought it to us because of obvious reasons at this point. Um, um, yeah. Well, we just ummed together. We did. We ummed in harmony. Did it feel like the world stopped, like time stopped for a second when we did that? <laughs> no. It kind of did. <laughs> Weird. We just like synced up perfectly. This is yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, we're it's synced up. <laughs> you know what that means. Oh, my God. Let's get some ice cream. Yes. Um, anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what we're doing. I'm trying to keep us on topic. Um, right. But- I, I just want to freak out over this movie. And I did that with Godzilla. And then listening back to our Godzilla episode, I was like, shit, man, I'm just fangirling the whole time. Uh, this is like Godzilla in a lot of ways. So, I mean, yeah. let's just talk about it. Um, the, this kid. Um, Hogarth. Hogarth, which uh, this kid is born with the worst name of all time. Oh, hands down. His and last name is a tribute to, of course, the author, Ted Hughes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So his mother clearly doesn't love him because <laughs> he is how old and she still hasn't changed this name. Yeah. Uh, he's a cool kid, though. Totally. Yeah. I mean, he's exactly what you'd think a 1957 little boy would be like, right? He's got he's got the BB guns and the helmets and the stuff. He's exactly what you would think a 1957, 1957 little boy, boy would be like. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Poetry. Thank you. <laughs> I'm here to entertain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, so stereotypical uh, 50s uh, boy... Um, mm-hmm. Animated in a very, uh, what is this? It is kind of that Lord of the Rings movie thing. Um, Some, some What are you talking about? The animation style. I'm trying to really pinpoint what this is like. Lord of the Rings isn't animated. There is an animated version of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Sword in the Stone is a is a great example of what this looks like. That's um, cool that you said that. The animator, uh, and sorry, the director was an animator for Black Cauldron. Boom. And I think that's kind of a very similar art Fuck style yeah. as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if they're paying homage to art, or sorry, art, <laughs> art. Um, this type of art, um, just animation, then, yeah, that is a good note to hit. yeah. I think the computer animation is their step into the future. And it is a great job blending in. I mean, most of it is shadowing, just kind of shadowing the character. But yeah, um, shading, adding shading, all that. But <laughs> it, it, they keep it dark that way. You know, they don't have to worry about the blending as well as right. much. Right. Um, I mean, I'm assuming that's how that works. That's how I my mind would work that. But it, it is seamless. For the most part. And that's great. Um, but the way we see this character is pretty scary. Uh, our daughter was around. and Yeah, that's she was worth spoo- commenting yeah, on. She was thinking it was pretty spooky and her toy thought it was scary. So her toy was afraid. Yes. You know, so uh, Tiggy, um Her little stuffed tiger. Yeah, Tiggy, uh He's cool, though. He, he got through it. He yeah. had fun. We had to snuggle him real tight. That's right. Um, she got scared a couple of times watching this movie. You looked over at me and you were like, yeah, why are we letting our kid watch this? And yeah. I thought I was totally fine. Like I you had, were worried about guns. Yeah, yeah. You had asked me if it was appropriate for kids. And I said, well, there are guns in it. So if we're okay with that, um, yeah, she can watch it. I said, yeah, she could watch G.I. Joe. I'm cool with that. Yeah, and I am not cool with that. Nobody ever even gets hit by those guns, kid. I know, I know. But like they're there and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've I've got qualms with it. She's three, so I don't know that it's time for G.I. Joe yet. Um, but this movie talks about death a lot, and we are going to get there. Oh, But boy. that's where I looked at you and said, this is really interesting, because mm-hmm. she started talking about it. 
She did. Um, she started mentioning death. She brought up, like, she said the word dead mm-hmm. on a car ride home from daycare. Oh, okay. A couple weeks ago. And I didn't explain it to her. She just asked, do birds die? And I said, yeah, they do. Oh, because she's seen Bluey. Yeah. I guess Bluey deals with death already. I mean, she's got some concept of it. Seriously, speaking of like great animation, like shout out to Bluey. Bluey is fantastic. Mm. People at home, if you have kids, put your kids on some Bluey. Bluey is goat. I'm so glad to, you know, have that as a parent now. Uh, No parent ever had this show before, and we're lucky as hell because this show's awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. But um, I had a writing professor in college say that it's better for kids to experience death in a book or a movie first before they have to experience it in real life. And the second he said that, I thought of this movie. Mm. Um, Because I think, yeah, I'm like six watching this and I kind of have a concept of death, but I've never really like experienced um, losing somebody up to that point. So, yeah, this this movie really hit me. In, in a deep and special way. Uh, Whoa. In a deep and special way. I'll say it again. What? Deep and special way. Oh, guys, we just <laughs> increased our listenership tenfold. You, you before watching this movie, asked if <laughs> Iron Giant porn existed. And I'm Oof. like, yeah, probably. Was it Rule 34? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Uh, the Iron Giant shows up. He falls out of the sky. Um, and, uh, this guy on a boat, uh, sees him. He falls out of this guy. He falls out the of the sky guy, on the boat. The sky on the boat. Wow. That is trippy. <laughs> yes. He falls out of the, the boy sky. <laughs> God damn it, Ryan. <laughs> he falls from the sky, lands in the ocean, uh, near Maine. And uh, this guy in a boat sees him. That's important for later or whatever. Um, yeah. And then we immediately jump to Hogarth's mom. I don't remember seeing him fall out of the sky. I remember seeing yeah. him come up out the ocean, come up out the water. Come up out the water? Yeah. Yeah. He came up out the water. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you didn't see. He comes down like didn't. a meteor. He came down like a meteor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then he hits the water in the uh-huh. middle of this big rainstorm or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. But then we go to this super cute diner. Um, that's super called cute. Chat and Chew. The <laughs> Chat and Chew Diner. That is pretty good. Yeah, I love it. Um, and Hogarth's mom, being that single mom life, uh, works there. And Hogarth comes in with a new pet squirrel. Jenny Aniston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the squirrel, of course, immediately goes up Harry Connick Jr.'s pants, <laughs> which is very, very fun. Oh, but um, the boat guy comes in and he's like ranting and raving and he's like, yeah, there's a giant and he's trying to tell the town what's going on. And uh, I thought it was a really cool character moment when Dean leans over and he's like, yeah, man, I saw it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. No, that was the coolest move. Yeah. And Hogarth, of course, is like, what? You saw this thing? Like, what was it like? And he says, I didn't actually see it. If I don't stick up for um, the kooks, as he calls them, who will? And I like that. You know, you immediately know who this character is. He's a sociopath. Totally. <laughs> That's who he is. Totally. Yeah. Um, He's an artsy guy. Uh... I, I like the scene, but mm-hmm. that's a bad character trait right there. Like, you don't want to 
You don't want to fuck with somebody like that. No, definitely not. He immediately unzips his pants and releases a squirrel. Right. It was the funniest thing ever to me as a kid. Ooh. I loved Ooh. that scene. Goodness, this headphone thing is just riding my nipple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Are you hard? Woof. Man, that was, I'm ticklish, guys. I'm very ticklish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, so they meet there and he owns a junkyard. He does. He's a no business being born junkyard motherfucker. Yeah, and, as Dolomite would say. Right. And he meets up with this kid who just happens to have met this giant piece of metal that moves. Yeah. Uh, Hogarth ends up saving the Iron Giant from electrocution. The Iron Giant and him become friends. You know, there, there's not a whole lot more to that. Uh, he tries to, like, take pictures or whatever of but the giant. You know, the Iron Giant got electrocuted yeah. trying to eat metal. He was just crushing in these, like, pieces of an electric yeah. plant. And uh, and not, uh, you know, the type of plant that grows from the ground, but the one you build. So clearly there, it's going to shock you. Yeah. And I'm not sure, aside from the analogy that it creates, why the Iron Giant needs to eat metal. Like, that is very unclear. I thought he needed the juice. I thought he liked the uh, electric plant there because he was going to get some No, because then he, he runs around taking bites out of cars. Doesn't that make more sense, though, the it juice? Wouldn't it, though? Yeah. But no, he he's an Iron Giant who eats iron. He, he's a cannibal. He's a cannonball? He's a cannonball. <laughs> he's a wrecking ball. I came in like a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to eat you all. <laughs> Ryan is now taking offers for a composer for the next zombie movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why can't we do another parody zombie? Well, they do those, I guess. They do a lot. Yeah. Like Zombieland. We're zombie out. We don't need new zombie content. We really don't. Yeah. Um, I don't like zombie movies. I'm putting that out there. Okay. Um, so, Hogarth um, goes to school or whatever. Um, God, how does all of this work? So, Hogarth ends up bringing the Iron Giant back to his barn that's in his yard. And um, The hand is with him. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty fun. Um, I don't think that happens until a little bit later. No, he tells him to stay there. He's got to go home and stuff. Yeah, but then, of course, the Iron Giant follows him home like a, a little lost puppy. Yeah, which turns out to, to be more significant than you realize in, at the moment. That's one of the um, better pieces of writing here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love the kid's voice in that moment. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, no, stay. Like you can Wait, who's hear the kid again? clear little kid. The voice? Oh, okay. Um, well, you know, that was the one character that we didn't talk about. It's, um, and I'm going to murder his last name. Eli Marenthal. No idea. He, um, hmm, I'm trying to think of the character's name in um, American Pie. Because he is also in American Pie. He plays... Um, one of the main characters, little brothers, like he doesn't do a lot of acting. He plays another character in Jack Frost, but not the main character. 
obviously, because that's Michael <laughs> Keaton. No, he doesn't play Michael Keaton's son. He plays like a friend of. Okay. Uh, yeah. No worries. There you go. Um, But the frustration in this kid's voice while he's like trying to explain like, no, you stay here. I will come back. I got to go home. Girl, it's Harry and the Hendersons. That's all that is. Okay. What is that? We'll get into that <laughs> okay. later. Okay. Uh, yeah. You stay. He ends up um, living in Hogarth's mom's barn. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where um, he starts to introduce the Iron Giant to comic books. And he sees um, Atomo, which is like a, a comic about a, a bad robot. Robbie Rodriguez. Bad, bad ro robot. That's not Robbie Rod... Rod <laughs> And I'm the one with the cold. No, that's um uh JJ. Jabrams. Jabrams? Yeah. Oh. JJ Abrams. Oh man. Learn something new every day on I this do. podcast about movies. God, I really should know more about movies <laughs> to be doing this. Yeah, are we qualified to do this? <laughs> people i don't know let us know are we we qualified? are doing it i mean we are the point is we are doing it uh -huh. and the show exists and you know Whether what we're qualified but who makes one qualified to do what we're doing um i was actually just thinking about this so really? uh, maybe this is an important conversation go for it we are doing this because it's interesting to see how the other person reacts in this relationship Totally. This is something that you have no concept of, mm -hmm. or I have no concept of. In this case. And we're saying, hey, this is pretty important to me mm -hmm. in some ways. It, it, at the very least, for nostalgia's sake. There's an it extreme, was important Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. There is an extreme level of vulnerability that yeah. comes along with that. Like, not right. only am I showing you right. something that I really care about, I'm showing whoever listens to our podcast about yeah. this as well. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. an extreme level of vulnerability with that. Um, but we are learning a lot about each other and the comments that we're getting and the emails that we're getting, thank you everybody who's been sending us too many emails, is that, you know, there's a connection there like, oh my God, I felt the same way about that movie. Or yeah, I totally made my significant other watch this movie. And that's always like the coolest thing to see. Yeah. You know, we're not the only people out there doing exactly this. We're just the only people doing it and making a podcast about it. Yeah, putting it out there. Um, and yeah. I will say that we did a bonus episode recently that is truly the proof in the pudding, as Bill would say, <laughs> of the concept that we have here you watched a movie you didn't want to watch mm -hmm. and you did it for the show i did indeed yeah will that episode be out by the time that this airs hard to say okay it could be it could be but it it, it will be around the time this airs so all right yeah cool. look out for a bonus episode we're going to sneak in there and truly is a different type of episode because it's um it's obviously consensual but it's it's you will hear the protest, protest in under, my voice. Yeah, yeah. under protest. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we want to hop back into this? Are we? Yeah, ready? sure. Yeah, all yeah. Right, no, no. Right. I just, I, I just thought you know it was a good time to recognize that 
um, you know, this is working out fairly well here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I agree. I second the motion. And yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, but I just wanted to comment on the comic books, of course. Uh, the comic books that he shows, the Iron Giant, they're all kind of like Cold War um, influenced, I guess. Okay. Yeah, there's the Red Menace comic. There's um, Invaders from Mars, which if you've read um, any... Uh, Mars Invasion comics, they do have a very similar uh, vibe as Red Menace comics or comics that are about uh, the Cold War and Russia invading America. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a comic fan, that was cool to see that. But um, here the Iron Giant decides he's Superman. This is where our kid lost her shit. She has recently been running around the house saying that she is a superhero. And when I ask her what her superpower is, she says red, which is her favorite color. I'm like, kiddo, what does this mean? Whoa. It's red. It's just red. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what's my favorite superpower? She goes, green. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Decides he's a superhero. Pretty cool. Um, then we have the scene where they're like in the school and uh, they're showing a uh, atomic bomb survival video. Oh, yeah. The duck and cover thing. Yes. Did you ever watch duck and cover when no, you were in duck school? duck and cover wasn't really a thing by the time I hit school. It, it was probably just phased out. Definitely wasn't a part of, you know, my education. But we did watch it in history class. And it's just just to show like how stupid it was mm -hmm. that people Yeah, I mean obviously people have you know I've seen that but Yeah. Like uh the soldier. whole concept that hiding under a desk is going to save you from an atomic blast it completely gets dismantled by this movie and I love that. That's coming up at the end. Um yeah, but they call it atomic holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "Oof. Okay. Uh, some choice words." It's real. Yeah. Mm, okay, and then of course, the cops show up. Not the cops. The and FBI then the cops type. came. And then the cops came. Um, this FBI guy shows up, Mister Mansley, played by uh, Christopher. That McDonald. guy. That, yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got yeah. It. Yeah. Kent Mansley shows up, starts poking his nose in places where it shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> I just want to point out that he is a ginger and I am a ginger. So I note when gingers appear in animated film. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. A ginger appears. That he's a ginger. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he he's totally like not believing anything that's happening, right? And he's just kind of like pushing it off to the side. And then his car gets eaten. <laughs> he gets into his car. Mine's How far could he have possibly been from that vehicle? I don't know. Uh, to have not heard it being bitten into. There are, are several moments in this movie where I'm like, okay, you didn't hear him walking around? Or you didn't right. hear him eat something? Yeah. Yeah. But also, I love the idea that he bit into it. Yeah. He just took a <laughs> little nibble and then walked away. Yeah. Yeah, decided it wasn't for him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, Tastes he, like pork. He didn't like the make of the car. He don't dig on swine. He's Muslim. The Iron Giant <laughs> is Muslim. <laughs> okay. 
Um, yeah, but I love that uh, Kent Mansley gets totally into the car, like ready to buckle up and everything. And he looks over and like half of his car is gone and he freaks out. And then he runs and gets the train conductor guy. And he's like, dude, you got to come here and see this. Like, uh, this is crazy. And his car is just missing. Like, it's such a kid's concept to make um, very serious adults look stupid. Yeah. I enjoy that. Well, it's because the kids believe in magic and they don't. So they're silly. Right, right. This is like a a Santa Claus uh, thing. Anytime uh, an adult is like, yeah, man, Santa Claus isn't real and you're stupid for believing in it. He always uh, gets shown. To Who, be the what? stupid character. It's a common trope in like uh, Santa Claus movies. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, the, the guy, he's not, he's a, um, he doesn't yes and. He does not. Therefore, he's kicked out. Ha. Santa Claus is real and. <laughs> right. He gonna give me some nice shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Doesn't believe. And and now he totally believes, and he goes like full ham about the whole situation, um, and starts calling the general. Here, yeah, re- his car got wrecked. He's got to call the general. <laughs> got to get that shack insurance. This character keeps coming up, man. The general. The general, um, and of course the general like laughs off the whole entire thing. Very. Um, cool, and he goes back to watching his Western film. I love that... Okay, we were talking about how this is kind of like Futurama in weird ways. There's a lot of love for animation, like we talked about, but there are a lot of like cuts to other animated uh, movies. Or, or There's a lot of cuts to movies in general. Yeah, they're watching stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, commercials... Uh, the the director had petitioned to get it to be a, an animation of Tomorrowland, like the Disney thing, um, which is crazy because this director later directed Tomorrowland, and I thought that was kind of like huh. a weird connection. I haven't seen that, yeah. No, it's not good. I have seen it. Oh. And let me tell you, it's bad. Okay, okay. So this is where the kid actually goes out and finds him, and he says, this is the greatest discovery ever. And he's freaking out and everything. But he says something really important here. Um, the giant is also like freaking out and having a good time. And he's like, no, man, you got to be quiet or they're going to shoot you. Like this kid knows. Right. Like immediately. That- well, he's a big old alien giant robot. Exactly. And he's like, uh, people don't like that kind of stuff. <laughs> so if you start acting weird, they will shoot. Okay, so this is the part in the movie where Hogarth has to get the Iron Giant some food because he eats metal for some goddamn reason. Um, So they go find this abandoned car or whatever. Um, But the car gets taken away. So they're like, shit, where do we go? They follow where the car was taken away, and it's Dean's junkyard. Right. Uh, And uh, the Iron Giant takes a giant bite out of a car and the car alarm goes off and they start freaking out and everything and then he throws the car and our kid goes <laughs> he threw that car away <laughs> it was really cute um yeah it's fun watching our kid get into something that i'm so into uh 
Yeah. So this is where they loop Dean into the whole situation. And we have the CoffeeZilla moment. This is actually a really cool fact that I learned today um, while looking up the summary for this movie. Uh, the director animated that specific scene because he wanted it to be perfect. Yeah. Um, which kind of explains why the animation style is a little bit different. For You'll that. see that. You'll see some extra attention here and there. You can tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are some moments with, with a whole lot of love. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, he wakes out on espresso. What type of human being, a kid having or not, gives a kid coffee? Kid having or not. Kid having or not. Uh, Obviously, Dean does not have kids. Right. Uh, but I, I feel like it is universally known that kids cannot drink coffee. He just gives it to him anyway because Hogarth is like, nah, man, I'm cool. Right. I can drink that coffee. Yeah, kids will tell you that. <laughs> exactly. Like you don't know shit about kids. That's a universally you known fact. Like, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like, everybody knows kids will just sh say shit. Like, we were all kids yeah. at some point. Right? Yeah. Dean is over here acting like he ain't never been a kid before. I don't think that's what it is. I, I just, if you're not around them, you don't realize how manipulative they are. I mean, every kid is manipulative and every kid becomes an adult. So every adult knows that kids are manipulative. I don't know. I don't know. I guess if you're not in touch with your, your inner self, if you're not very self-reflective, you might not think that. I don't know. I'm trying to justify Dean's I mean, character. I'm introverted and uh, have social anxiety. So, of course, I think kids are, you know, thinking more clearly than I am. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hear you. So maybe I'm biased here. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Uh, they, uh, they essentially beg uh, Dean to keep the Iron Giant. He agrees for one night. Um, and then Hogarth goes home, wakes up, finds out that Mr. Mansley is now living with them. I That's an absurd twist in the story. I seriously question Mrs. Hughes um, and her decision-making skills. She just... This rando motherfucker... Openly accepts. Obsessed with her child. Yeah. Asking where he's going every five seconds. Yeah, it's seriously. crazy. And then worst of all, Hogarth is all like, yeah, I'm out for the day. I'll see you later. And she says, take Mr. Mansley with you. <laughs> what the fuck? You no. don't know this guy and no. you're going to let him run around with your kid? Like, that's crazy. Even for like 1957, when I'm assuming parents were far more But that's how it was. Even, even when I grew up, it was kind of like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Things were pretty lax. Yeah. My parents made sure I was terrified of every stranger. Yeah. Well, that's because, you know, for the generations that follow, uh, it's all fear that's pumped into us. Right. Yeah. Because it's all like very publicized now. If somebody goes missing, like everybody knows about it. And that's great. That's the uh, ups the chances of finding somebody. But of course, it also... Uh, puts things into perspective and shows you like, yeah, that could be your kid. Yeah. I would never allow a strange man to live with us. Fucking those. Um, or to just run off with my kid <laughs> when he's clearly showing like an extreme interest. Okay. Very concerning. Why would you want a child to entertain an adult anyway? That's a perverse idea. It seems weird. Yeah. Very but Mr. Mansley goes with him 
And that should have been a red flag. Yeah. Hogarth being the genius that he is, takes him to um, like a pharmacy, gets him a milkshake and makes <laughs> him a landslide milkshake. Gives him a little lax in there. A little lax. Yeah. Um, cute little side story. My grandma came home to find my dad sitting in the kitchen and he very uh, rudely says to my grandma, I ate all your chocolate. He ate all the laxatives out of the fridge. That's right. And my grandma lost her mind. Uh, very cute. Yeah. Uh, Hogarth loses him. He goes to the uh, junkyard and uh, they have fun. This is kind of like the coolest. This is the toy moment yeah. for me. It was It was a good moment. I like this. Yeah. Um, there's always like, a, especially with these little kid movies, there's always like a... a sequence that is just like pure childhood joy mm-hmm. or whatever this is the toy shop in big and it me. was it was what i was waiting to come around because uh our child was there and um she needed something fun yeah. it was a bit intimidating this movie it's about a giant robot that's not necessarily you know cute mm-hmm. it's not um it is ambiguous as far as what whether or not it's threatening. Yeah. Um, Hogarth describes him as being like a child. He can't remember anything. So we don't know if he's bad or not. We just know he can't remember stuff. And that makes him very non-threatening, but he is still huge. You know, it's like a um, of Mice of Men situation. Sure. Where, yeah, I mean, he, he's big and dumb, but he's big and dumb. He got a knot he had. Yeah. He has a little bump in his head. Got that knot on his head. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool. Puts him in, uh, puts Hogarth into a car and flies him around in a circle. Yeah. Very fun. Um, they go to the lake, which is, you know, iconically uh, a pinnacle moment in childhood. I, I Going to the th- lake or I, the river. The way it was uh, directed at first, I thought he had thrown the car when he's spinning him. I, I thought oh, yeah. he just chucked the car and the kid was like, yeah, <laughs> uh, but thank God he was still holding him and spinning him in a circle. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. He, he's okay. It's all good. Uh, good. They go to the lake. They do cannonballs. That's really fun. The um, cannonball scene is really good. Yeah. yeah. No, the thing that the cherry on top of the cannonball situation is uh, after the river or the lake floods out the whole forest. Um, Dean ends up in the middle of the road and this truck goes up and he's like, you're in the middle of the road. And he goes, yeah. The guy goes, you're in the middle of the road. And he goes, yeah. And the guy just like jives around him. Very cool. Dean is so fucking cool. Like I remember just idolizing this character as a little kid and thinking like there is no motherfucker out there who's better than Dean. <laughs> Dean is pretty cool. This weird beatnik who makes junkyard art. Very yeah. fun. I, I do dig that character. Uh, but ultimately, this is all leading up to a tale of morality. Yeah, this is where the deer comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, When you're analyzing film... Uh, I really enjoy taking the organic versus inorganic perspective. Um, We have this moment where the Iron Giant reaches out to touch something that is very organic. He tries to touch a deer. Um, 
Yeah. And that's the fan art that everybody makes. Like that scene right there. If you look up the Iron Giant artwork, you're going to see that on repeat, you know, because it it is the pinnacle part of the film. Silhouette of the pinnacle. No riffraff. <laughs> it's the inorganic reaching out to touch something organic. And the deer gets shot like in Bambi. And this is when I had to turn to her kid and ask her if she was okay. Um, Cause I, I kind of forgot this was any, I forgot how deep that was this the moment where I'm thinking, Whoa, how do we, iron giant is learning what death is. Yeah. The iron giant is the kid watching this movie, Pretty right? Much. The iron giant is the kid's window into what we're seeing here, what we're about to learn. Um, yeah. So the giant learns about death and it's really, really hard. Um, and of course, that immediately opens up into the conversation about souls. And Hogarth is like, uh, souls don't die. Yeah, there's something in in all things that carries on beyond yeah. us. Yeah, and Hogarth is a kid without a dad. Um, it's alluded to in the photography in the home that um, his dad was a pilot. Okay. Yeah. Um, if the dad is a pilot, why mm-hmm. didn't they make him like the brain of this robot? Because this is not Tammy and the T-Rex. It should be. No. Come on. No. This is not, um, big spoiler for Mecha Godzilla. this is not Mecha Godzilla in the new Godzilla movie. We don't know that yet. And and we're going to get into that because I have major questions for the end okay, of Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. So we get to the end and everything. Uh, the army shows up. They don't believe that uh, he's actually there because Dean does this cool thing where he turns the Iron Giant into, into art. Into art yeah, yeah, which cool. is beautiful. Very symbolic there. Um, and then the Iron Giant like shakes it all off and everything. Um and we have this moment where he almost kills Hogarth, who is playing with a toy gun. And this scene ultimately became the... Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this scene ultimately became um, my mom's defense against uh, allowing my younger sibling to play with guns. Um, toy guns of any kind whatsoever. And of course my younger sibling made them out of Legos and... You know, built them out of... Played the Vigi games. Played the Vigi games. Right. Um, it became a part of our toy collection, whether the actual physical toy gun was purchased or not. You know, it's it's a prolific part of childhood yeah. um, that raises serious questions. But ultimately, seeing the toy gun triggers something within the Iron Giant. He boots up or whatever, and he shoots out lasers which are fucking cool looking um sell me that toy thank you i think they have those they, they totally have to they shoot real lasers real lasers from their eyes not deadly ones it's cool it's cool laser people. eyes <laughs> dean freaks out he's like get the fuck away of course the iron giant freaks out and he's like nah man like i am not a gun and that's cool. So he uh, runs away. He ends up saving two little boys who are about to like fall out of a bell tower or something out of a church. I don't know. A balcony. And he's like, yeah, I'm Superman. Right. It's just there to remind us that he's, he's so good. He's really fighting to be good. He's fighting his yeah, programming. He, he didn't mean to do what he had done. 
Right. Exactly. But of course, everybody else freaks out. The army shows up. They start shooting at him. That starts triggering this thing. Mm -hmm. And there's this beautiful moment where he like blocks the lasers or whatever with his arm. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I am not a gun. And I, I just like, like watching it now, it gave me goosebumps. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful what it's trying to convey there. Uh, yeah, but he thinks uh, the Iron Giant thinks that Hogarth is dead so he goes berserk and he turns into this amazing crazy space robot thing that shit with a is wild. oh my god so the arms on the back of the iron giant after he transforms or whatever into evil iron giant um they look like the arms from like war of the worlds or something like mm -hmm. it's very um reminiscent of 1950s sci-fi sure love that i love how authentic this seems um, Hogarth jumps in and is like, yo, dude, I'm here. It's cool. But not before an atomic bomb gets sent and everything. And yeah, because yeah, that clown, the FBI guy is just a fucking clown, man. That guy needs to be arrested. I think at the end of it, he is. I mean, he attempted to kill everybody by saying launch like the well before he's allowed to do any of this shit. Yeah. But he, you know, he inserts himself in this shit and uh, somehow the bombs start coming. Uh huh. And kind of exactly like Godzilla, this becomes an atomic war narrative. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty powerful. Um, yeah. And then uh, the Iron Giant becomes Superman and he takes that missile out into space. That is exactly the part of it that is, it's the counter measure right the mm -hmm. um the weapon to counteract the nuclear weapon he is the metal gear he is that's yeah yeah and i i like that you're making that connection to something that's like personal to you yeah. that's that's the really fun part about this podcast is figuring out what the viewer the first time viewer is going to liken it to i wasn't expecting it to be this kind of pacifist narrative really i didn't know what it was going to be about knowing me and knowing like my whole shtick you didn't well, think who knows it was gonna who be knows I, I i knew it would be something some sort of tale of morality but i didn't mm. what well, i didn't know but i expected that um but it being like this is pretty weird it's very war uh very war centric it, it's yeah. military stuff thoroughly oh yeah the part where the general says um, like the atomic bomb is coming right at them um, and the general uh, turns to the guy who's like, shouldn't we get to a shelter? And he says, there's no way to survive this. I was like, you motherfuckers, you spent all this money making these stupid animated videos that are like duck and cover or go find a shelter, knowing that it would not do shit. It's a pretty dark movie. It is. It absolutely is. And it's conveying some really heavy stuff to kids. Like, this is not something that um, I think our three-year-old understood. But, you know, when I was uh, six or seven watching this for the first time, yeah, it raised a lot of questions that I had never thought of before. I can imagine. Yeah, not just about death, you know. It is a anti-war narrative. Anti-war narrative. Anti I love her pretzels. <laughs> nice.
They're so salty. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> All right. The saltiest. So, right. Now that we've kind of like skimmed through the movie, uh, touched on some key parts here, what would you say is your favorite part of this film? I mean, clearly the animation is just gorgeous. Um, there, there are really stunning moments in this movie. So visuals are my favorite thing. I do really enjoy it carrying the torch for pacifism and um, anti-nuclear weapons. Um, I I think it is a very important message to show like how destructive things can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And just because you can have something superior to that to um, defend yourself, that is not a good world. I mean, the fact that the, this machine leaves is important because we, we just don't want this. We well, don't yeah, want to have to have any of this. Right. The machine leaves, but of course, like the explosion happens and we find out that, you know, he's in Iceland and he's coming back together. Right. Like the very end yeah. because he comes back together like his little blue lights flash and all of his pieces. Yeah. So he just got like separated. He didn't die. He was separated. He exploded. Mm-hmm. And I will say um, as a minor sidebar, there is a second book okay. um, that Ted Hughes wrote. And it's about him finding a lady robot giant oh so it's frankenstein exactly yeah. my point and the second book is more about environmentalism than it is about um, good because a war him coming back kind of defeats the purpose for me okay well how so i i felt like he was this last last gasp of uh what do you call it war proliferate per- whoa war proliferate <laughs> <laughs> take your time it was this last gasp of um, military symmetry where people have to defend against an equal force. Well, that answer kind of um, lets me know where you think the robot comes from, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Where do you think he comes from? That's a very important part. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm surprised we're talking about my favorite part before we talk about this. Um where the fuck is this robot from? All right. So, so let, let's just say, okay, let's let's say my least favorite part of this movie is, where is this robot from? I, I have no sense of what the origins are. So it, that kind of bothers me. It, it bothers me a little bit. Okay. I hear what you're saying, and I've got some fun facts for you. Okay. Um, there was a scene that was taken out of this movie that explains his origin. Uh, there is a scene where the Iron Giant is uh, in a dream sequence. He's asleep and he's dreaming about his home world and a race of giant robots. He comes from another planet. He doesn't come from Russia. Okay. But of course, yeah, I get that. the American military immediately assumes it's Russian, mm-hmm. right? Without any verification. Um, yeah, they took it out. Um, and then they ended up putting it back in like an extended uh, version of this film. But they took it out, and I am so happy that they did. The ambiguity of the Iron Giant is kind of one of my favorite parts. Well, I don't like that. Really? I want a little bit more. Because they give you something. They give you the fact that he's not from here. 
Uh, how so? He lands out of out of the sky. I mean, he could have been launched from Sputnik, which they immediately show at the beginning of the movie. They want to mislead you. Okay, so then it's about warming up to other countries and, you know, okay, all right. Yeah. I don't love that. That's okay. Yeah, so Lee's favorite thing is... Um, I think I would have liked some confirmation that he's from another planet. Because to me, that's that's where I go. Oh, Ultimately, really? that's okay. what I would guess is he, he's an alien species. Well, yeah, the second he turns into that um, crazy bad version of the Iron Giant. Even the, the thing where his body parts just kind of relocate and come back to him. Oh, like that's too advanced a technology for mm-hmm. 1957. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. I hear you. I hear you. For me, it was the second he goes into bad iron giant and we see the war of the worlds looking arms coming out of the back of them that i'm like yeah it's totally from mars mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um but that doesn't seem to phase the military they still continue to assume that it's from russia with love with love yeah uh interesting okay that's cool um that's interesting that one of my favorite aspects about this is your least favorite well let's get into that uh since we're here what is your favorite thing about this movie that you brought in this week i'm so glad you asked you asked asked (laughs) the masked singer my Uh, favorite part is all right everybody i'm happy for you i'm gonna let you finish but this video is the greatest of all time the greatest of all time. Shrug. So I came to a room and opened the door. Oh, snap. Guess what I saw? I felt a tongue kissing my girl in the mouth. I was so in shock, my heart went down south. So please listen to the message that I sent. Don't ever talk to a girl who says she just has a friend. Has a friend. Has a friend. Has a friend. That was the 89 classic from Bismarcky. Okay. Just a friend. Wow. Um, yeah. I've been holding the, holding on to this for a long time. This is one of the most memorable things in my life, musically. Really? This was? Yes. And it's... I don't know how much detail I should go into on this, Um no, nah, man. I mean, get into it so if you're comfortable. So we won't start there, but I I, I will elaborate in, in a bit. Um. So yeah, Bismarcky, just a friend. Oh, baby, you uh just hit the scene running. Okay. Everybody was talking about this. Really, everybody. Everybody. When this came okay. out, huge. Okay, interesting. All right. Um, uh, I can't say that it is especially good. Um. Lyrically, it struggles. And uh, I got to ask, who let this man sing? Well, Biz is a popular rapper at the time, uh, also well-known beatboxer. Oh, cool. Okay. Make the music with your mouth, kid. Yeah. So he's all about, you know, just, you know, expressing himself and exercising whatever he can, uh, whatever he can do with his voice. Yeah. And I mean, he. He really does some interesting things with his voice here. I I thought the rapping was particularly good. He's very skilled with that. Um, The singing, however, is like Tracy Morgan tries to sing a song on SNL. Do you know the original song? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, baby, you. 
And I think he's just passionately singing it the way he hears it. Oh, the way that he does the you in it, like I, I won't even attempt it, but it's it's beautiful. He like holds on to it and, and it's such a little like tasty mo. It's like he's savoring the note. He's having fun with it. That, oh, I mean, it's clear clearly. as day he's having fun in the studio. And I mean, maybe, maybe that's why this conveyed so well to audiences is because you can hear he's having a great time. Yeah. Very fun. Um, I've heard this song before, of course, right. um, but I have not ever thought to think about it and have definitely not paid attention to the verses. Um, it helps to hear those in context of the video as well. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, they show you exactly what he is saying as he is saying it. <laughs> I met blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, so boy. Well, all right. So I, I will get into it. Um, Please do. I was introduced to this. Uh, my great aunt, uh, Sue, Sue, was a hairdresser. Your great aunt, Sue. Yes. This just sounds like a tall tale. Uh, I remember her bringing this home. She was a hairdresser. And she was exposed to a lot of the culture. She was, uh, uh, she would work in Northern Virginia, okay. and so uh, very close to DC. So uh, very close to what was happening at the time. Okay, comes she, home. She just was in the city. Bring, brings home like opens up the bag from the record store, puts it right on, and starts playing it. You, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. Okay. So we're already hyped up, right? And here we go. Dun, 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 dun. And yeah. it just. It's one of my earliest memories, and it's glorious. I Aww. love this song so That's much. really cute. Then I found the video, <laughs> and whoa, well, did I have fun with that. So it just got more and more fun, and um, it, I got it. I, I was in on it. Like I, From the beginning, I understood what this man was doing. Love was it. Okay. At, he was just having fun. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, no, very clear and apparent. He's having a great time, and, and I, I love that. Like, he looks so happy banging on the piano and everything. Ah, just, it, It's cool, and you kind of get into it because he's into it, if nothing else. And that's part of the hip-hop culture is sometimes you're musical without being traditionally musical. Right. Yeah, and he, he's very talented. I just don't think that he is a great singer. Um, but he doesn't seem to care, so I guess I really don't care either. You yeah, know? no, I mean, it, that's all that matters in music is, does it catch your ear? Is it fun to listen to? And checks the boxes. This is very fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what... Oh, wait, who's asking favorites? <laughs> Whose turn is it? Where are we? Um, it, there's, there's not a lot to say about this video. It, it is um, him in costume, kind of pretending to play the piano while he's doing yeah. his verses. And I love it. It's a narrative about um, being in love with somebody or having a crush on somebody right. that probably is with somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, is that fair? Yeah, I'd I'd say that's fair. Um, in my mind, it kind of promotes the idea of female ownership. Like, um, the only time a a guy who's really into you will leave you alone is if you belong to another guy. Oh, I have a boyfriend. Well, some people aren't into polyamory, and they're like, "Hey, if you're with that guy." I understand. Oh, okay, sure, sure. Okay, yeah. Not everybody can be polyamorous. Yeah. It's a fun way of saying, hey, I like you, but you seem to 
be with that guy, but it's not official yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That he is very young when he makes this song. So yeah. I would I would say this taps into some of those um immature and aspects very of much, relationships yeah. and you know perspectives on relationships. I, I love that it takes place in and around a college because it is very much the college scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Like they're not going quote steady yeah. yet. Yeah. So so do you have anything that you would uh, say is your favorite part? Oh, definitely. And I mean, like, I'm sure you've already guessed this, but of course it's the interstitial piano bits where he's just up like Mozart. Like, <laughs> I, I love it. It is adorable. I love the gaggery yeah, of it. It's good. It's, good. It, it's great. Um, he looks fantastic. And, and it's the part where he is clearly having the most fun. Totally. Yeah. That's the concept, right? I mean, I think that is truly the concept of this is let's play it up right. as a more grandiose idea he's even sampling a song that is a bigger song than this yeah and totally making it his own thing yeah of course all right well yeah uh least favorite thing about this obviously again i feel like you know me well enough to know my least favorite thing is the fact that her name is blah blah i think that's to protect her and not to you know what people people get picked on when their names are songs kaylee that's true. Um, I, I thought that was considerate. I am named after a song, right. and I get picked on it. There you go. <laughs> I get it, picked it, on for it. I a think lot. that was considerate. So, um, not to say that I you were didn't, not. I didn't think about that. Um, just throwing that up. I didn't think about that being a possibility. Uh, but yeah, just the way that he says "blah blah" seems a little disrespectful. Understood. If okay. it was meant to be submissive, or submissive. Yeah, mm. that's terrible. But mm. dismissive, um, yeah, I, I think that that sucks. But I that that wasn't my uh, reading on it. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you for providing that new perspective on it for me. I, I greatly appreciate that. Um, what is your favorite part of this? Still my favorite thing. I mean, uh, from the get-go, I told my story uh, how ridiculous this is, how how much it represents the heart of what hip hop is. Like the whole, oh, you have got to hear this vibe. The merging of cultures, the merging of genres, like everything is clashing here. Yeah. He's dressed up like Mozart singing a really old song and then sampling a soul song. Yeah. um, Being very playful, nonchalant with his lyrics. Like he does, he's not thinking too much. He's thinking enough to have fun. Uh, I like this. Yeah, no. And I've I, always liked this. I, I can clearly see why it's cool. It, it's but really, really cool. I, the thing that I got that I got the most, uh, the biggest laugh from was the the blah blah, blah <laughs> just blah. the way he inserts that, like <laughs> how he, he forces it into to it, and the way it looks in the video. It's just really fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Then your least favorite. Least favorite thing. I have. A rough relationship and uh, rough memories with my Itsu as well. So, oh, really? Yeah. So, oh. something that is also like so important to my musical history mm-hmm. also makes me think of a person that has that I have a complicated relationship with. So, God, isn't that amazing how that kind of stuff happens? Yeah. 
Um, really, really cool. I have these moments where like, um, if I'm not getting along with my dad, I can't listen to counting crows. And we've talked about how much I love counting crows. It's something that I share with him though. So if we're in a bad spot, like I can't hear it on the radio. I can't hear it in passing. Like, I just don't want to hear it. Um, but yeah, that's just me being stubborn and stuff. I I totally get what you're talking about though, how music is so tightly wound around, uh, wound around experiences. Yeah, truly. So I I hate to do that and and make that a move, but, uh, otherwise I'd just be criticizing how it doesn't necessarily hold up, uh, on all levels. It's not a timeless piece. Yeah. Uh, and we talk about this frequently, how sometimes these things are such capsules and so important to their time. It doesn't matter if they're timeless because they're so significant in their era that they still deserve respect. Right. And we totally talked about this uh, with Dolomite. But I mean, with this particular song being about college life, I think it encapsulates the idea of college life, of what yeah. it's like to be hooking up around school. Sure. Um, it's genuine. In yeah, that way. very yeah. much. And, and yeah. in that sense, it makes it timeless. Right. Okay, sure. Yeah, it, it transcends to any college experience. Word. Well, I think I, I touched a nerve then. Uh, so a fan or no? I'm a fan. Cool. You know what? I'm a fan. Um, yes, there are misogynistic aspects to this. Uh, the part where at the end he's like, y- you can't be with a girl who says she has a friend. <laughs> Um, so women aren't allowed to be friends with guys. Uh, That's not right. cool, man. That's right. Not cool. This is why in any rom-com, if there is a guy best friend, he is so gay. And not just like kind of gay. He is like stereotype, very gay. It bugs me out, man. Mm-hmm. We need more accurate representation in our rom-coms. Please. Please. Well, thanks. Yeah, no problem. For checking out the vid. <laughs> it was fun. I liked it. Yeah, we got to do this. And uh, I, I don't know I don't know if this really ties in with the film we're watching tonight or not. It's silly. And, um, you know, the chorus is kind of childish. And you can see, like, a little bit of, like, just childlike freedom. And just a I friend, guess. you know. And just a friend. You know They're what? just friends. Iron Giant is a friend. That's right. He's a friend to us all. <laughs> Well, let's get back to it, everybody. Thanks for uh, tolerating this. Yeah, and uh, thanks for tolerating uh, the commercial that's coming up right Here it comes. now. Drug. All right, so my favorite thing is this beautiful moment when the Iron Giant catches Hogarth and they're falling over a cliff and then... He uh, starts up his rockets or whatever, and he starts flying. And Hogarth says, you can fly, and he's freaking out about it. And then there is just this absolutely beautiful moment where the Iron Giant is flying up. And it's just like the silhouette of the mom staring in, in wonder and horror as uh, she's seeing the Iron Giant fly up, it, the animation for it is so fucking gorgeous. Like, we were watching it today and I got goosebumps again. I remember seeing that as a kid and just, like, totally losing my shit. Like, <laughs> physically, verbally, I was moved by it. Because, one, it's super, super cool. It's a giant robot with rockets on its feet. But, like, he saves Hogarth 
and he can fly. Like he becomes Superman. And yeah. he had it in him the whole time and he totally didn't know it, but it was always in there. I don't uh, I don't know why it affects me on such a deep level, but something about just the silhouette of the mom and in this machine that that represents so many different elements just rising up and everything. It's beautiful. I also think it speaks to the things that inspire us. I mean, he was exposed to the comics and that's why he put the S on his chest, but he identified with it for yeah. some reason, right? We identify with these things for some reason. Yeah, we want to be the superhero, even if that's not what we were born to be. And even if other people around us tell us that that's not who we are. Right. And that is common to the overall theme, which is common to it. It's related to the overall theme. I am not a gun. Right. You you can be whatever. You are not necessarily what other people tell you. You are what you are. Mm-hmm. You choose. Yeah. That's a line later in the movie. You choose. And Hogarth is like yelling that at the Iron Giant. Um, as he's trying to stop him from destroying everything, including himself. And, and I think maybe that's it right there, is not only is the giant defying gravity, he's defying what he was built to be. Um, and, and you can take that and run with it in whatever direction you so choose. I mean, of course, you know, you can get deep and dark with it and start talking about child soldiers. You can get deep and dark with it and start talking about like how uh, parents' politics and religion influences kids. You know, ultimately, it's up to you. It is your choice, uh, despite however you grew up, despite whatever influences you had or whatever the people around you are telling you to be. And that so resonated with me as a little kid feeling like um, like I, I, I didn't belong in the situation that I was in. Without getting too much deeper into that, it meant a lot to me. That's why it's my favorite thing. Uh, I'm sorry for getting too deep there. Too deep. If I got too deep, don't you know? Don't you know? It. Up in Maine. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's it's beautiful, and I already freaked out about the animation, so I'm not going to go back over that rant. Word. Yeah, there you go. Least favorite thing about this movie that you like? It's tough <laughs> to pick. I mean, in my mind, it is a practically flawless film. Um, it it it's hard to choose something that I don't like about it. So um, I'm going to throw in my mom perspective and just say that uh, the whole Dean inviting in a little boy into his house uh, is questionable. Dean in general is questionable. Yeah. And Hogarth's yeah. mom ends up uh, with Dean in some capacity at the end of the movie. Yep. Yeah, they're a couple. They're, the they're coupled up. Yeah. Yeah, what a weird meet cute. Yep. My kid found a giant robot, and now I date the guy who helped hide the giant robot. Like you junkyard motherfucker. <laughs> Calm down, Dolomay. Um, If I had to pick something that's bad or weird, sure, that's it, right there. I hear you. I've got a really important question for you. Would you ever watch this movie again? Sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, thank God. I don't think that it is as poignant 
as you make it out to be. I think it's more nostalgia, but it it, it does sure. it does have a message that I, that resonates with me. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm perfectly fine with watching this again. Uh, I think I might even find more in it. I think the more that you watch it, the more um, the more you find. Okay. Yeah. Um, especially if you start to look at the artwork that's behind um, the that's behind the scenes that are happening. You know, um, like uh, earlier we talked about uh, how the dad was a fighter pilot. You see pictures of him around the house, and it's really cool that those pictures show up mainly when Hogarth is fighting with um, Mr. Mansley. <laughs> Mr. Man. Mr. Mansley. And, and he's wearing his dad's fighter pilot helmet. He better not. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, there there's a lot to find in this movie. So yes, I am very very happy that you're willing to watch it again. Um, I mean, so the the vibe is we 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 joked about his dad coming back and was the robot, right? We did joke about that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. I don't think it would be. <laughs> I don't need a Jack Frost situation. It's just not what I need out of this movie. Um, there are a lot of Disney movies and Warner Brothers animated whatever's that are single moms. And I think it's badass that we have a single mom in this movie who's, you know, waiting tables, but still like... But you've criticized her along the way here. I have. She makes some poor choices. Not going to lie. Jennifer Aniston uh, <laughs> makes some poor choices. What? But what? What? Whoa. Oh, Wow. So then, do you get it? Yeah, sure. Uh, it does make sense. Um, it's a pacifist narrative, and it it's is. something that I think you'd be drawn to growing up. So, yeah, uh, sure. I mean, I think it's it's great. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a little slow and sleepy. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the main small town vibe that it's going for. Right. Yeah, um, I think it's really cool and very appropriate that uh, the FBI guy who comes in, he's like, "Yeah, nothing happens in these small towns." Yeah, but and but I think that's why it's you know for kids, it's easy to follow and all that shit. So, yeah, the pacing is great for yeah. kids. Yeah, um, definitely. And I think this is ultimately where I get my pacifism from. You know, this this is, movie, this has got to be like <laughs> the first pacifist narrative that I was exposed to because huh. everything up until that point was, you know, the Disney princess movies or whatever. Um, and, and that's definitely not pacifist in any capacity. Oh, that was fun not to say pacifist in, in any capacity. In any capacity. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just going to speculate here and dig into my own personal psyche and say that, yeah, this is probably where I get pacifism from. Interesting. Yeah, and, and it's this concept that ultimately, of course, leads me to, you know, my stance on everything today. I am very, like, uh, non-confrontational as a person. I think there are better ways to go about things. You're not a gun. I am not a gun. Lucho appreciato. Uh, De natter. So, <laughs> you get it. You get why I like it. Yeah. Um, I believe that brings us to my least favorite part of the podcast where you tell me what I am going to view next. That's your least favorite part of our <laughs> podcast. It's the scariest for me. Oh, 
Um, yeah, it's You're just on edge. I'm on edge right now. I'm very nervous. Interesting. Next time around, uh-huh. we're going to watch the 1984 classic comedy, Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Get ready for some representation of all kinds of different stereotypes. Well, that just sounds like it's a bad idea. <laughs> that just sounds like it's going to be done very hey, poorly. Fun romp back in the day for me as a child. Yeah. Uh, let's let's take a visit down memory lane, see if it still holds up. All right. Here we go. I feel like this is going to be like that time that we watched Dazed and Confused. And, you um, are, well, let's not argue about this. Okay. You had already seen that movie when we watched it together. Um, I had seen parts of it. I don't uh, think I had seen the whole It thing. doesn't hold up, though. So. No, does not. Yeah, you're right there. Parents out there. Yeah, man. Don't, don't show this to your kids. <laughs> don't do it. Well, don't show it to your kids, but do send too many emails to lookwhatyoumademeview at gmail.com. Yeah, if you guys have, like, fun facts about the Iron Giant, if you got, like, some cool fan art or something, if you just really enjoy the film and you want to let me know that, like, thank you. Or if you just need to yell at us in all caps, send it. <laughs> We're like here five for times. you. You can send it to lookwhatyoumademeview at gmail.com. And check it out on, uh, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> check us out <laughs> on Instagram. You know, look what you made me view there. Yeah. Uh, we, we we will tell you about what's coming up and we'll uh, show you some bonus images and things there. And we drop some cool bonus episodes as well yeah. if you want the facts. There's one in the chamber. So, so that's coming up soon. Um, so pay attention, man. Get yeah. on that IG. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening in. Thank you for watching this movie. If it's your first time seeing it, we greatly appreciate that. Next time, folks. We're going to get into it. Kaylee's nervous. I am. It'll be fun. <laughs> we love you. Thanks for listening. Peace. All right, bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Boing, boing.